You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Jethro Tall, Aqualung. In the room, I have Rob. Hey, Aqualung. Ben. My friend. Adam. Dog end. And <laughs> John. Okay. <laughs> uh, Aqualung is the fourth studio album by the rock band Jethro Tall, released 19th of March, 1971, uh, on the label Chrysalis, an island in Europe, and reprise in America, Japan. Uh, the producer was Ian Anderson. Terry Ellis, and the genre is progressive rock, folk rock, and hard rock. And I'm going to read um, from All Music Review, Bruce Etter, and also Rave Staff. Jethro Tull were a unique phenomenon in popular music history. Their mix of hard rock, folk melodies, blues licks, surreal, impossibly dense lyrics, and overall profoundity defied easy analysis, but that didn't dissuade fans from giving them 11 gold and 5 platinum albums. Wow. At the same time, critics rarely took them seriously, and they were off the cutting edge of popular music by the end of the 1970s. But no record store in the country was complete without their 1971 classic, Aqualung. The leap from the previous year's album, called Benefit, is one of the most astonishing progressions in rock history. In the space of one album, Tall went from relatively unassuming electrified folk rock to larger-than-life conceptual rock full of sophisticated compositions and complex intellectual lyric constructs. While the leap to full-blown prog rock wouldn't be taken until a year later on Thick as a Brick, the degree to which Tall up the ante here is remarkable. All right, what do we think of Aqualung by Jethro Tull? Super cool. Love it. (laughs) I'm so fascinated that they were not taken seriously by critics because it confirms something that I've been thinking for a long time is that people hate art. And uh, seriously, like, this is crazy artistic shit. It's so many changes within the songs. Like, the wild lyrics, like, tempo changes, ups and downs, like, electric to acoustic, like... Changing mid verse overcoat with a flute. It is standing on the drafty in his apartment. There you go. Yeah, and he wasn't. He didn't have a shirt on. He's a real so guy. A coat on. He was balancing his humor. Yeah, actually, has a reason for that. Oh my yeah. god! But no, seriously, like this stuff is so out there in its composition, but like it, it works. Like I, I got in this group as like fifteen year old maybe, and I, I had not listened to them for a long time. And I was so happy that I still liked it, and I might have even liked it more. 
yeah. as an adult. I was going to say, it, it, it brought back a lot of the, you know, I'm a big fan of Black Sabbath, early Black Sabbath sure. and stuff. And this is, I, even though I didn't really put those two together at the time, I, I think I got into them in like high school or something. Mm-hmm. But now it, it makes perfect sense that they're in the same sort of like era. They have these like riffs, these, like these big the, riffs. Riff these, these riffs yeah. come straight out of the Iomi songbook. Yeah. Or, or, you know, I don't know, they're contemporary. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, cut from the same cloth. Crunchy riffs are where I live. I know it is. <laughs> and in fact, I wrote that down. Uh, <laughs> and this, this album's full of the crunchy riffs. Uh, there's crunchy riffs and and then like their own special bland uh, brand of like rustic prog from yeah. the, from the English countryside. Yeah, almost yeah. almost like a it's madrigal like, or like medieval. Cabin, yeah, very medieval for sure. <laughs> they definitely are taking like yeah, like a medieval Co- cottage prog. <laughs> yes, cottage <Right>. prog. <laughs> nice. But yeah, there's a medieval folk spin on it that's putting their own stamp on it. But then the uh, aggressive songs and like like they go real low to these like ballads, like classical ballads, and then it'll go back up to like some rocker, like uh, I mean, like locomotive breath or something, which is a super tight jam. And we, uh, we just uh, we're now listening to Cross-eyed Mary, uh, tight flute intro. Yeah. But then it gets into the country, crunchy riffs. Yeah. Uh, I did. I didn't realize that Iron Maiden covered the song. Yeah. As, right. as a B-side as to the, the Trooper. Wow. The trooper. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I didn't so know that. we're going to have to pick that one up. As a big Maiden fan, I feel like I should have known that, but wow. Also, I like, uh, man, so I don't love the flute as an instrument. I was going to say, because... I think this I'll, needs to be I'll, talked about for yeah, sure. Yeah, for but sure. I don't love it as, as just in general. I think that... Ian Anderson makes the flute as cool as it possibly How did he do it? <laughs> no, I, had the exact, I was going to say the exact same thing. And I think it's because it's some D&D shit. Like, it's like, I feel like usually when people use it, they're like trying to make it like too beautiful. And here it's like, he is like a satyr with his goat legs in the woods at, trying to get you to take the drugs so he can play flute at you. <laughs> and I'm down. I'm trying to do the pose here. Yeah. yeah. I think he just sells it and he like he rebrands it and turns it into this weird like drug D and D shit. And it man, you 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 can run a lead on anything, and, and you, you can make you can make just about anything sound cool. Yeah, it's hard, but if you believe in yourself enough, and I believe that man believed in himself Absolutely. enough to do it, and and he balances it with a crunchy groove. Like yeah, also like there's twice this happens on the album. Once, uh, once in My God, and the other time I oh, yeah. think it's either in Locomotive Breath or Wind Up, or halfway through a ripping flute solo, he's playing the flute and he's going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he does a yeah. Oh my god, spit, he spits yeah. a yeah, uh, like in between notes, and it sounds so gross but so cool. <laughs> like, when you know that he's playing it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's play, like, oftentimes he's playing so hard that like you can hear him accent with like with a word, like not not just the yeah, just like whatever that is when you're playing a flute and you're using your tongue to hit the note or to break the note, like you can hear him like. Doing yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's it, very percussive. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
This is just a such a strange convergence of so many things, and the fact that it works is stunning. I and the fact it, that they got it together, I think it. I think though it took that Led Zeppelin element of Led Zeppelin thought. three. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, the country, you know, the sort of yeah. like country elements, folk elements of traditional English folk, and it brought that into the like riff rock, like riff heavy rock. And yeah. so I think, yeah, Ian Anderson was just like, this is my thing. Yeah. We're going to do this, and I'm going to play flute. Like, they're awesome. obsessed. Like, this awesome. generation was like obsessed with like that Lord of the Rings and like, like the mystic sort of medieval kind of like Arthurian stuff and the, and this reading books and I, <laughs> no I think it's great and uh, and I'll say that I think that this group more than any of those other groups actually makes me believe like that I'm in this weird like fantasy world like you know, I don't know the song that we're listening to right now is about a uh, a, a one-eyed child girl. strip or yeah. ch child prostitute. prostitute. <laughs> yeah, he opens with a song about like a pederast, and the next song is about a child well, prostitute. Aqualung, uh, Aqualung makes a cameo in Cross-eyed Mary. Yeah, they, he's, he's like, and Aqualung was there too. <laughs> <laughs> and now, so Aqualung. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, Zeppelin. This album was recorded at the New Island Records studio in London at the same time as Zeppelin 4. Yeah, uh, the studio was built out of an old Yeah, they were in the church. big studio. Yep. <laughs> and they, and, but it, it does not necessarily sound like it was by choice. Hmm. I think that... So it was built out of a church, and there was the studio that was in the sanctuary, and there was a studio that was Got cozier. It. And they were in the big one and hated it. And they said the one where Zeppelin was was smaller, but it was more of a cozy vibe, easier to control the room. Uh, they said that uh, recording this one was very difficult. They couldn't hear each other live. A lot of this record was pieced together through like overdubs. Like all Locomotive Breath, I think none of those tracks were played at the same time. I think every every individual track on Locomotive wow. Breath is just recorded in a stack. Ian Anderson said. Uh, no one in the band knew what the song was going to sound like except for him because he could hear it in his head, but everyone else just knew what their own parts would sound like. Wow. And then it became a hit. And then it happenstance translated into a good live song for him, mm -hmm. a song that they had never performed live. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. Do you think that this album carried Jethro Tull, like, basically all through all the way? Basically so, through their... So Thick as a Brick... Ian Anderson. Thick as a Brick is a... Really cool song, and that happens next, that's I true. think. That's the next But then album. they have, like, a 25-minute version of it. You yeah. know, like, that's like that's a 25-minute-long song that they cut down to a three-and-a-half-minute radio edit. I think yeah. Thick as a Brick is, is, I think, supposed to be considered one piece of music. I think it's, like, yeah. one yeah, song. Yeah. 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 It is. I, the, the whole album. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's one and two. Are I can't remember if there's, like, anything you know that was, other that was than a spike song. joke? Uh, People considered... The album Aqualung, a concept album, right, right. because there's several themes that run through it. And Ian Anderson was kind of like scoffing. He's like, tell some Americans that there's a few themes and they'll think it's a whole concept record. He's like, it's not. He's like, it's just a bunch of songs and there are several themes that I was working on. He's yeah, like, yeah. but if you guys want a concept record, this one's just going to be one long song. And huh. it's, it's got, he's like, here's your concept record. Right. And it was almost... It, Thick as Brick isn't so much a concept record as like a, 
a sincere satire of the concept record that just happens to also be recognized as a legitimate yeah. concept record. Huh. But I guess I'm what, what I'm saying is this album and Thick as a Brick, I feel like kind of solidified their sort of legacy because after that, even though they had all these, you know, very good selling albums, I don't think those albums this are... This is what people very, think of. This is what, yeah, this is like their their high point, so to speak. I yeah, think I, this is what, yeah. I don't know what album beat Metallica in the heavy metal category at the first MTV Music Awards, that <laughs> yeah. but that's Jethro Tull beat Metallica in the metal category. Good yeah. call. Look so that up I don't know if, I was was, trying to remember what if that was. it was just historically that they're yeah. like, yeah, we'll just use Aqualong. They, they win. <laughs> <laughs> and for 1992 metal album of the year, Aqualong. Aqualong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's funny because that year was their acoustic album. Was that, <laughs> that, that was, what, 87, 88? Whatever was it was. I tried looking really this up recently. Because it, 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 like it, it had to have been 88. Yeah. Uh, it was 1989. Oh. oh. Yeah, Metallica, who were expected to win uh, the inaugural, it was the first award mm-hmm. for Injustice for All, Jethro Tull uh, album, Crest of the... Uh, Nave? Hmm. Oh, mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That old chestnut? Hmm. I've never seen that record. Yep. No idea. Yeah, I'm a fan maybe it's, maybe it's heavy know. as hell. Who knows? Yeah. But I doubt maybe. it. I, I, I sincerely doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. Um, I, yeah, it's going to be hard to beat Injustice for All. Yeah, that's, that's a really good record. Do yeah. you know why this band was called Jethro Tull? No, I would love to, though. Well, they had trouble getting repeat bookings. They get booked the first time. And then they were not asked back. So they... Why is that? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. This is pre- obviously pre-Aqualung, so it's back when they were a, a, blues, I, a blues band with I a flute. I do know that like a lot of times uh, e- like the flute came on and people were like... Nah. Right. Well, yeah. Like, but nah. before this, they, they, they were bluesy yeah. with flute. Yeah. Flute oh. blues. So, <laughs> you know, they'd book a gig and then that would be the only gig they play at that place. So they just started changing their name every show... To get repeat bookings, and Ian Anderson would say, like, he'd look at the flyer and, like, the band name that he didn't recognize, like, oh, that must be us this week. Uh, the first time that they got invited back to a club, uh, they, they had been calling themselves Jethro Tull. Uh, and so they got the call name. back, and like, oh, well, that, we're <laughs> now Jethro is. Tull. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, I'd read that early on, they, uh, the producers wanted Ian to, like, shy away from playing the flute, go uh-huh. directly like blues rock, all, you know, just continue with this blues rock thing. And, and they were like, nah, no, this is like, Ian was like straightforward and being like, no, flute's my thing. It's just Deal such with a it. weird, the whole thing is just so weird and original, you know, it's like, I think that's what, I think sticking with the flute, you know, it's like, the, it goes to show like figures like that, who have the confidence to just do their weird thing, they make more interesting, complicated songs. I mean, the, these songs play with time in a really interesting way. They, they, they don't follow all the rules. And I think it's kind of cool to, you know, that it worked out for them. I feel like so, so often uh, it doesn't. <laughs>
Rob? Uh, yeah. Absolute positive. Listen to the record. I was so surprised. I was going to say, who, like... I was very, 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 very surprised. I, I didn't think I would, like, half of it, and I ended up liking the whole thing. I haven't heard this you album in, like, prog spot, though, what, right? 10 years I do, but, like, uh, I, I don't consider me. Aqualung to be a, a prog masterpiece. Uh, the, the the song Aqualung to be, like, a, a an, an arbiter... An arbinger of, uh, yeah, of a uh, an arbinger. It is, it is progressive <laughs> ish, but the the uh, it, 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 the album opens it up way more. I think my favorite track on it's "My God." That sounds um, cool. And then going into uh, what locomotive breath, yeah, yeah that, yeah. that it, it, it's really good. Everyone should listen to it. Cool. Uh, you know what uh, Robert Christ got thought? Anyone have a guess? Did he like it? Did he not? He loved it. He probably didn't loved like it. it. Boring and pretentious. Uh, How can you call this album boring? It's always changing. Hey, uh, how about how about what the, is uh, wrong? Steve Harris, bassist of Iron Maiden. He liked it. Oh, I'm, yeah, he loved obviously it, I'm they sure. covered it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he said classic album, fantastic playing, fantastic songs, attitude, and vibe. Uh, what do you think, Ben? I, I like this. All right, I, Cruncher Riffs is where I live. Yeah, and if, if, if you've got enough Cruncher Riffs, I can take the flute. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I think also, uh, I, in my personal opinion, I think that Ian Anderson has a really cool singing voice. Mm-hmm. I think he's Agreed. famous as a songwriter and as a flautist. I think he's got a cool rock and roll voice. It's not very polished, but it's got a lot of character. I like hearing Ian Anderson sing. Cool. Yeah, definitely positive for me. I This is like my jam for like two years, maybe when I was 15 and 16, to the point where like, the first song I got in a recording studio at like some summer camp at Oberlin College, and I chose to record "Thick as a Brick," and it's the first recording I have myself, and I've still got it. <laughs> I want to uh, hear it. Uh, 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 but uh, yeah, I'll I'll bring it next time. Okay. But uh, uh, but uh, I did not think that it was going to age well with me. I thought it might just be one of those things that I'm not into anymore. And I appreciated songs that I skipped over as a young person. And uh, and I think I just admire anybody at my, now at my age, and having been in the music industry a long time, like I appreciate anybody who's just doing their own thing that's weird and like fuck all, you know. And so it it sounds even better to my ears because of its its unique vibe. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a full positive. I'd never heard the full album. Um, I'd heard Aqualung and Locomotive Breath because those are kind of the the big songs off of it, but. Uh, the way that Ian Anderson delivers, like his, his singing voice is also like very nice. It's just pleasant. It's basic, but like he puts a little kind of menace into it, which I think is kind of yeah, interesting. I agree. Like in like that nasal menace, I think carries into a lot of other bands later on. And, and I like it. And uh, yeah, I, previously uh, I've espoused my distaste for flutie toots. Um, but these flutie Repented. toots. Repented. Yeah. These, these are, I, I repent. These toots are the flutiest, and these flutes are the tootiest, and uh, I'm into it. How is that? I'm like, I'm, I, I don't know how he does <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. He's playing rock flute. He plays rock flute. Yeah, but it's I, I know, but <laughs> that sounds bad to me, though. It's, <laughs> like, it's impossibly hard to do, but he is the person to do it. Yeah. He's just making it work. I mean, yep, he finds a way. He, nice to be wrong sometimes. Yeah, you know? he basically invented the sort of like rock flute of... Yeah, I, I'm total positive on this one. I mean, this... Just introduces uh, new interesting elements to the sort of like rock prog uh, elements. And yeah, a lot of the introspective songs too, the more like folksy 
country songs I appreciate more, like you were saying, like a little bit older and I can appreciate those like folk songs more and but also have the riffs. It's like you get both sides. Yeah. You get the whole sort of spectrum of a uh, yeah, Jethro Tull. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you. I somehow never <laughs> noticed that. <laughs> I think it, it, did. Did my God just start in our headphones? Mm-hmm. It's it's my God at around two minutes and forty seconds. If I can you call made it, a note. yeah, I made a note. Yeah. I was like yeah. flute, toot, intro into yeah, into toot, <laughs> into get chant, that. into chart, chant, flute. <laughs> so, Let's get a little out in our earbuds. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. Yeah. All right, next time we will be talking about David Crosby, if I could only remember my name. Oh, oh, Robbie doesn't Rob, like it. Rob's... Uh, Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Oh, it feels a piston scraping